All right. So I didn't ask last week. I don't know if I asked the week before either. But does anybody have more work on their course project that they'd be wanting to share, willing to share? Because we've got a new guy here who doesn't have any idea what's going on. So. Sum me up very well. <laughs> <laughs> like coursework, he's like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> Is this a dream where I'm still in college and I didn't do any work and it's the <laughs> final exam? I did add an additional uh, run-on sentence to my original run-on okay. sentence. Okay, let's pass over Soki. I don't know how I feel about it yet. You're following in the ways of Paul if you do just one long run-on sentence. Just skip. Exactly. Yeah. So do you want me to start from the top, though, because of the yes. new guy? We'll start from the top because of the new guy. All right. Um, Jesus came as God in the flesh to right our wrongs so people who believe in and follow him uh, can be in heaven with him for all time after death because he loves us. That's my first run-on sentence. Second run-on sentence. He has given us the Bible and his own spirit as a guide to us to help us be more like what we are created to be characteristically. Because there's a fancy word for that. Is there? Yeah. All right. But you, but you didn't use it. Cool it's team. awesome. Because I, I don't know it. <laughs> Which is great, because now the rest of us are like, I don't know, we'll go steal that from Cindy quick, because uh, instead of using sanctification with someone who's never been at church before, I can say that. Oh, there we go. Look at that. Now I know. You can. Sanctification. Sanctification. But then it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> we're, we're trying to explain to seven-year-olds. This is why I realized. It was, I was going to say something last week's class, but I didn't get a chance to or I forgot. But, I didn't let many people talk last um, week. So. Shock face. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but I was thinking that, a lot, like you had said in the beginning, that we this is not an apologetics class. And a lot of times we take this as an apologetics class because we're like, we assume that the person is going to argue back with us. But I started to try to look at this as if it was somebody who wanted to know but didn't. Like somebody who was willing to accept whatever answer you gave them, but they just couldn't comprehend it. So, because I find myself in that place a lot when you guys talk about some stuff. Um sanctification <laughs> um, but I but then I was like okay so how would I explain this to Rory right she's seven so how would I explain this to her if I wanted her to understand and she wants to understand she has that desire to know so I had to take away that angry apologetic side and be like how can I explain this to somebody who wants to know but just doesn't understand Daryl needs to expound upon his not, not today. <laughs> He's not ready yet? He hasn't, okay. hasn't gotten the next edit done. All right. All right. All right, well, so our class homework for this whole block is to try and uh, remove Christianese words from our explanation of what the gospel is. So instead of saying, I, I, I didn't bring my PowerPoint today, but um, something like, the gospel is the story of Jesus' birth, death, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension into heaven, and coming again, and that, you know, for the remission and propitiation of sins. It's like, <laughs> and we're like, say what? <laughs> it's like, can we, can we figure that out? You know, and we started by saying, first of all, like, in a group of people who understand 
terms. Those terms can speed on a conversation, right? However, when you're outside of that group, then it you can sometimes get a sense, but you often always you often always that doesn't work. You often end up with a uh, incorrect like shade of what that word means. And you know we do that with medical terms and you know legal terms because we're you know not. I don't know. Are you a lawyer or a doctor? No. Okay. So we're not lawyers or doctors. Um, you know, I don't know. Awesome I mean, yeah. I'm, like, well, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. So, so, um, so far, we've talked about God. Uh, so here, here's mine, which is not the right answer. This is my answer. In fact, I've looked at it and I'm like, I'm not in love with that, but also haven't figured out how to change it. So. I'm sticking with it so far. Mine says that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave in order to provide forgiveness for the sins of those who believe in God's plan of salvation and grant them eternal life. And then I have almost every word highlighted to say there's a good chance I'm going to need to explain this. But I'm trying to not use the big theology words. I'm trying to use words that are a little bit easier. Um, So first we talked about God. What do we mean by God? Because uh, someone who's an unbeliever might have a completely different concept of God. And then the next week we talked about sin. Like, and you know, you go around telling people they're sinners, and either they don't care or they're super offended. It's, it's one or the other usually when we talk about sin, because sin, sin is uh, the base of the problem that the good news solves. So you know, if we you can't leave it out, and it's also uh, a big deal in in the bible talks bible talks about sin and all of its other words that also we just summarize as sin uh as well and then last week we talked about uh the fact that sin's punishment is death and how that is portrayed in the bible and we talked about um very briefly near the end more so um that the sacrificial system demonstrated that that's the case i mean like the bible teaches time and time again sin leads to death um, although it didn't happen immediately upon Adam and Eve eating their fruit that they weren't supposed to eat, they didn't just literally drop over dead. Um, which would, you know, it, it, you know, if you take Adam and Eve and like there's no other people and they eat and they die, then there's no people. That's no like end of the Bible, you know, <laughs> and no one to read it. So you know, there is that. Um, so it's not an immediate thing, but it is the the end, and it's also the only way to deal with sin both positively and negatively, right? Um, only through death can sin be made right, and only through sin, uh, only through death can sin be uh, paid for. So the sacrificial system shows that God's intent was that there is a way for people to deal with their sin that doesn't involve them dying, although we still in, expect to die, as we saw in Romans 5, that death reigned even from Adam to Moses before the law came into existence. Everyone was dying because sin was still around. Everyone was sinning. Uh, and so uh, death is an ins- essential part as well. Uh, and the, the reason we talked about that is because in mine I said Jesus died. And if we don't talk about why is it necessary, and we, we say the gospel is something like God loves you, and so he, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. It's not wrong. That is definitely true. 
Yeah. <laughs> right? That, that is like, okay. So, like, if, if I really love somebody in my family, I'd go kill, kill – or if I loved a stranger, I'd go kill a family member? Like, what's going on? Like, that – we have to talk about um, sin and death as the right punishment for sin in order for the gospel to even sound somewhat reasonable. It's still crazy. <laughs> you know, it's still it's still a mind-bending uh, situation that that's what God decided to do. Uh, so this week, we're going to talk about Jesus, which we're all like, okay. Explain Jesus. And we're like, well, that shouldn't be too hard. And then you think for more than 30 seconds, and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> right? So this week, I'm going to let you guys do a lot more of the talking. And last week, I had a lot to get done. This week, there's too much that I have no expectation of getting any specific thing done. Um, so I just want to uh, open that up uh, and don't be afraid to say something and then realize, like, a minute later, like, boy, that would have really confused someone. We're in a circle of people who believe in Jesus, as far as I know, uh, and we love you, and even if you say something that confuses us, we still love you. So uh, we're going to pass, pass around. Uh, you can volunteer. If, if you were to be talking to someone, and, and you know, I would say that there's you know, Jesus died on the cross, and they're like, hold on, who, Jesus who? What would you say? <laughs> All of them. So, if you're going to try to explain Jesus to someone who doesn't have the context of being in church, or I mean, we, we class ends at ten fifteen. But if you end up holding the microphone through the whole class, we're in trouble. But no, there's not. This is not. This is not like the written down. This is this is the follow up because. I would find it hard to – I mean someone someone could do it maybe, but like if uh, if you were explaining the gospel and you didn't use the word Jesus, I'd be like, excuse me. <laughs> so – All right. Well, I guess Jesus just already heard of it, and I knew I was going to have to define that. We already talked about that before. Um, so and, – and from Caleb's previous uh, critique of my sentence, um, I'll start with that. So Jesus came as a baby. So it was a human born as a baby, um, grew into a man, um, and he was crucified for our sins. And during, and he was also a rabbi and a teacher um, who ministered to the Jewish people during his lifespan. And in that ministration, he revealed to us through the Holy Spirit that. He was the Son of God, and that his death would cleanse all of us of all of our sins for all time. That's what I got. Good work. I mean, there's still a lot in there that could be questioned. I mean, there's still a lot of dicey stuff in there, but... Dicey stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, someone else? Come on. I just thought I would start the conversation. (laughs) So are we too Christianese if we start by saying that he came from heaven to earth in the form of a baby and 
room to man? I mean, is that too, if we no. use the word heaven, that's not too Christian? No, just yeah. be aware that you might need to be like, someone might be like, what? Okay. It's totally okay. And, and as a, like, even, it's just, when, when someone asks that question, we don't want to uh, dive deeper into Christianese terms. We want to try and simplify it more. I mean, the, it is going to be, it, uh, the gospel can't be fully explained without God sending Jesus. And none of those are right. easy things. Right. And, and, and you need to say it. that Jesus originated from heaven. Yeah. Well, yeah. somehow, <laughs> somewhere we have to introduce in a, at pretty early on who he was. I mean, Okay, he came from heaven. Was he somebody that died and 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 now is coming back again? Is he you know who is this who is this person that came from heaven? Um, so pretty early on, maybe not like the first few words or something, but we have to we have to make clear that we have to make clear that he was is is a person, but but also is actually God. And, and right. yeah, that's so. So that's that's challenging. <laughs> Daryl. In my mind, uh, one of the best verses to describe who Jesus is from Scripture is uh, the first few verses in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter one, as the introduction to the book says, "God, who at various times and in various ways." spoken time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power then he had by himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And what I think of in that is that what he's saying is that Jesus is the exact representation of God the Father on earth, in the flesh, pointing everything, uh, and everything that he did was um, a direct uh, revelation from the Father through the Holy Spirit to explain the Father and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so so far, just to try and compile what we're talking about so far, uh, Jesus was a was a guy, but he was also God. Okay, uh, there's a cool, uh, couple cool theology words as it relates to such. Well, I'm glad we are not using them, um, but. Should you ever need to be like, I don't know how to explain it. The honest truth, most of the systematic theologies and stuff that I read don't make it any easier. In fact, it usually makes it more complicated, but you're looking at a hypostatic union. Yeah, so in case you were to come across that, what? that just means God and man somehow in the same person. Uh, and there are many an ancient heresy um, in regards to how that worked, um, and it's not quite as bad as the Trinity, but it is one of those, if you talk about it for too long, you probably committed some heresy that you would have gotten burned at the stake for at some point, so, um, <clears throat> because, you know, some people say, like, oh, so, like, he was half man and half God. Like, Yeah. <laughs> well, and then you use the words, like, son of God, and then that 
then 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 they're like so you 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 have more than one god and then we're like no because trinity and then it's like and then yeah you're explaining <laughs> well god didn't actually have a son but then you got the john three sixteen verses is begotten in there and then like that sure makes it sound like jesus was born from god and no one i guess but i mean like it gets really confusing um if if you dive too far into it but I, so far what we've got is it's important for us to know that jesus was a person and that he was god um i think as christians why why is that important to us that people understand that he was both god and man it's important to us or say it really loud because in the background. Yell it. I think it's important because if it were just God, then you don't have the blood to be able to cleanse sin away. You don't have the sacrifice, right? Um, God could have at any moment just waved his hand and been like, okay, you're good. But that wouldn't make him a just God. And so to ensure his characteristics and that his character shined through in, in being just. We needed a man, something greater than an animal that was previously used. So we needed a man, and that's where God came, in essence, as himself, as a man, just to be that for us. Right, yeah, so it's important to us because... Uh, I mean, obviously, we're finite beings trying to explain something that was developed in the mind of God before the creation of the world. So there's that. <laughs> um, but I think it's fair to say at least the Bible presents it in such a fashion that it it would not have functionally worked <clears throat> for it to be just just a guy. Because Romans says there ain't nobody that had ever done anything right ever, okay? <laughs> no one's perfect. We've all missed the mark. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. The only one who hasn't fallen short of the glory of God is God, right? So then Jesus needs to be God so that he doesn't fall short. Because even if it, Jesus got a 99.9, .9, we wouldn't be able to perfectly wash away sin. And if sin demands that there is death involved, even if Jesus at 99.9% .9 perfection died for us, we'd still have that 0.1% that we'd have to die for. And I, I don't know if you know this, <clears throat> There's not really, like, levels of dead. <laughs> you're dead or you're not, okay? I mean, there's argumentation on that. So what is the mark of whether you're dead or not? I'm not going to get into that again because I'm not a doctor. Um, but there's not levels of dead. You're dead, okay? So it's important that, the, that Jesus be God because he has to completely hit the mark. But then if he's not a guy, then there's still a situation here where it's not one of us. And so why would that permanently do anything for our sin? Because sheep, goats, and doves, and bulls, and all that jazz was what God said was working. It was, you know, it, like we're doing it. Well, we're going to keep doing it. And Hebrews talks about, like, Jesus comes on the scene and like, I'm going to do this once. Now we're done. And that's important because Jesus had to be one of us. Because animals can't take the ball. But if Jesus was some demigod, it's still the same problem. If he's not a person, then how does it work for people? Okay. Um, there's something else that I would like to get to 
before we do things, but I'm going to still let the thing roam. But that's so far what we've got. It's important. We feel it's really important for a person to know Jesus was God and man, even though we can't fully explain how that works. Uh, I think the, you know, my this this comes from a rap song, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> it was a Christian rap song, okay? All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's not like, I don't actually remember the lyrics, but it was like, fully God, fully man, 200%. <laughs> kind of a thing where it's like right. you can't do 50 50 but apparently if you add 100 and 100 together that works i don't know because 50 50 is heresy but 100 100 oh, we haven't killed anyone over so i don't know if it's actually heresy yet so hmm. all right so back to explaining jesus what else because it um i think i think we've got a really good piece of the puzzle about like the the role jesus plays in the gospel and the salvation uh, but what else is important of us to take note? Um, you're, you're paying attention. Sorry, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we went up to the death part, but we didn't go up to the resurrection part. That he came back to life and he didn't stay dead, um, which is a pretty significant piece of the story. As opposed to just saying like, oh yeah, God said someone who died and they stayed dead, but hey. No, instead it was, you know, he died, paid for the sin, and then he came back afterwards and was like, cool, all right, I'm going to leave, and then I'm going to come back again later. Mm-hmm. Wait for that. Yeah. So. I have a whole week on the resurrection, so yeah. I won't dive too far into it, but it, it, you know, that's just kind of significant. I mean, I think it's valid, because it shows mm-hmm. that he was more than just a man, right? Because then he came back from death, and then... The angels like literally came and like grabbed him and was like, "Hey, come with us for a bit, right?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like I mean, if you're explaining to a seven year old, right? right? So like, right. yeah. But I think that yeah, it's really. Mm-hmm. Well, I think especially if you're saying that he's promising eternal life, and if he died and stayed dead, can yeah. you really trust the whole eternal right. life bit? Yes. True. So. True. So maybe there's uh, two deaths that the scripture is talking about. Um, there's the physical death in which this mortal coil will be shed by all of us. But there's also spiritual death. And so uh, in Ephesians, when in chapter 2, it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So what we're dealing with actually is understanding that uh, without the quickening of our spirit um, by that regeneration, sorry. No. I'm sorry. Yes. Yep. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, to be made alive, okay, means that we were dead. And so uh, there is that uh, transforming, I don't know if that's too Christianese, but it's a good word. Uh, yeah, from moving, yeah, okay, good. So, from moving from uh, death to life, we have life, and the soul will live on forever beyond this mortal body. And so, there is that uh, eternal part of us that I think needs to be addressed as well. Yes. Thank you. Then I'll shut up. No, it's, it's impossible to talk about Jesus without talking about all this other stuff that I have on the list. I'm just letting you know that you're not wrong. 
you're definitely <laughs> right. Which is why, after Jesus, we have to talk about all this other stuff. Because it's important to understanding what what Jesus was doing. So, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like, oh well. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, well, and to that, the eternal life thing is, oh, now I'm going to lose it. Sorry, I'm just trying to think what it was. Um, oh, the separation. So, so we talked about death as a physical death, as like the human body ceasing to can ceasing to function. But we didn't really talk about death as like the spiritual separation of God and man. So this is how we are dead, even though we were still walking around, um, because in our sin, we had a spiritual separation from God. And so I think that that's something that we've kind of, we kind of left out of the death conversation, which would probably create confusion as we move forward, especially with somebody who's young or doesn't really understand. Like, they're like, okay, but you say that I was dead, but like, uh, I'm pretty sure I still had a pulse. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Right. And, and so just the fact that like during the death conversation, we should probably be also explaining that we aren't just talking about a physical mm -hmm. death, but like that spiritual separation from God is death. And that is what we are preventing in eternal life, right? Like that is the gift that's been given to us is that we no longer will have eternal separation from God. We get to be one with him without being correct. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we should just put that at the end of everything we say, and then no one can blame us of heresy, right? Yeah. Somehow, like, what I'm saying isn't heresy. Okay. Right. What, um, what I'm we saying did. wasn't meant like that. Just take it the way I meant it. <laughs> and the thing is, we di we didn't die. We were born dead. I mean, yes, spiritually. So we did. We did kind of run through that section of death. It's in there. If you go back and listen, but it's probably like two minutes. So <laughs> that death in the Bible is. Presented as separation. You know, yeah. for our physical death is the separation of our immaterial part of who we are, the like who we conceive ourselves to be, and our body, and it's an unnatural state of being, which is why death is such a problem, right? Because God didn't design people to be a soul or a body. He designed us to be both together, and death is the thing that breaks that, which is why God hates it. Okay, but that's it. That adds bare minimum definition death is a separation right and so that separation is pictured for us in genesis when god kicks them out of the garden because he says if we let them in the garden and then they go eat from the tree of eternal life or whatever that tree is called i don't remember yeah. the tree of life or something yeah if they eat from the tree of life they're going to be this way forever yeah. they're going to be broken like yeah. this forever mm -hmm. so he kicks them out in an effort to save them from themselves because they they did what was wrong so now they're outside the garden of eden they're separated from god outside the garden of eden now um this is my brain so take this for what you will i think that that does a really good job of explaining spiritual separation um this way you know we have the argumentation when systematic theology which if we ever do systematic theology again we can argue about um about how it is that sin gets passed down through people, right? You know, some people are like, it comes from your father. It's like, no, Adam represented all of us, and we were all in Adam, so therefore. But the, here's, the, here's the thing for me. Right. But then the argument is, how does that work? Because, like, I shouldn't get blamed for my dad's sins. 
Right. So, in but the beginning, you learn. But so that's the whole the whole discussion. Okay. I would like to just take a simpler approach of reading the Bible like this, and then say, "Here's the deal. It doesn't really matter because uh, Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden, which means no one can be born in the garden. The garden is a picture of being born in fellowship with God. If you're born outside the garden, you're not born in fellowship with God. You're born separate from God, and people who are born separate from God suffer this fate." of dying okay so that does mean interesting hypothetical for my world if adam and eve had a kid before they sinned, would the kid if the kid didn't eat have also gotten kicked out and that's what i like to post to these other people who are like the federal or natural headship conversation I'm like so like let's say they had a had a daughter in the garden before they sinned. adam and eve sinned, and the daughter's like what are you guys doing <laughs> would the daughter have gotten kicked out too because that's what their line of thinking would dictate. So, but but not natural. So like natural headship, you get away with it because she was born not with a. Anyhow, anyhow, <laughs> it's just really fun. Okay. Yeah, you kind of that. But I think if you think of it that way, because that's that's the way that that's the form and the the genre that the story is telling us in. Is to say, look, look, now people can't be born in in fellowship with God anymore. Let's fast forward to Jesus. Okay. What happens when the angel says that Jesus is going to be born? Because here's what natural headship people like to point out. He didn't have a physical father. Therefore, no sin gets transmitted down to the person. And we're like, gee, thanks. Like, I'm just so full of sin that my kid gets sin from me. You know? But I think that there's something more. Well, I there's something. It's there's, all down the line. Let's face it. I'm just saying, does it come only from me? Because that's their point, right? Because the you know it comes from the dad because mom, G, uh, Jesus had a mom and somehow didn't inherit it. And I'm like, I don't think that that fits the picture either. But what what happens? But well, but he's God, so God, right? So like the angel, <laughs> the angel said, how did this work? The angel said that you would be that God will come upon you. Uh-huh. And give you a child. Uh-huh. So the father is God, meaning that there was no sin. Uh-huh. So I'm sorry to say, but evidently, according to that statement, it would be that the mother can't have, the mother doesn't get sin passed down. But that doesn't work because women are sinless too. Or sinful. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that verse? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> women are sinless. <laughs> he calls us princesses somewhere. We have to be perfect. But, but one thing you have to realize is that when, whenever sin is talked about, it is an east end and so all, all died. Mm-hmm. It's Adam. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, take that where you want, but... Mm-hmm. But um, but that is true. It, you know, basically, Adam definitely gets a, bu- a, a, a mean, bunch of blame. I'm not basically trying to give him a pass. A guy. Yeah. <laughs> You can keep the microphone because yeah, you actually. I, I have, I have a thing. I just is this like the uh, um, ancient tribes of uh, talking stick? Yes. Is that it? <laughs> you can't talk until you have the sticks. I, I, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I do a thing. Maybe going back to what Carol right. was trying yeah. to say. Sorry, uh, yes. God with us. Uh-huh. is what the angels were talking about to the shepherds. Mm-hmm. It's about God coming with us, which mm-hmm. is, instead of God being only in the garden and coming in your world mm-hmm. sense of it, God 
leaving the garden to come to us as opposed to us coming back to him. Yep. So here, because I got a little bit more stuff I do want to get to, we're, we're all right around it. I'm just going to say it so I feel like I actually said what I wanted to say. So, uh, <laughs> the angel comes... But you don't have the talking sticks. So I got this talking stick. That the angel comes to Mary and says that the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and you will conceive. We as finite beings who all had a mom and a dad find it fascinating that Jesus didn't have a biological dad. And so, so we get stuck on that. And then Jesus comes out and he's perfectly sin, sinless, right? And we're all like, oh, well, the two must be related because he's God. What I'd like to throw out there as even more significant than Jesus didn't have a dad is that he was born in fellowship with God, which was never the case for any other human being ever being born since we got kicked out. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit was there from the moment Jesus was conceived, demonstrating he was born in fellowship with God. So effectively, Jesus gets a new beginning uh, that Adam had, except that he doesn't get to stay in the garden. He gets born into this outcast world. Vegas. Yeah, worse than Vegas. <laughs> but, so he gets, born, he gets born, but in fellowship with God. So that's really good news. Why? Because people who are born in fellowship with God have eternal life with no sin. The, good, the, the question then that gets answered in the Gospels is, okay, well, we had a guy at one point who was born in fellowship with God. Well, born, made, whatever. Uh, there was a guy in fellowship with God, and then he chose against God's will and against God's commands. So just being born in fellowship with God isn't enough. It is a thing that has to be maintained. And so then the question is, okay, so this Jesus guy is getting a really unique birth on all angles. He's born in fellowship with God without a dad. Can he keep it? Because the last guy didn't do it. And there's only two. Okay? At this point, it's made in Romans 5. We should turn there because we already talked about Romans 5, so I want to finish on Romans 5. The other thing I want us to talk about, um, this is – not a knock on any of us, but so far we've just talked about Jesus as he is known in the New Testament, which is fair. Here we are, New Testament believers. Uh, Jesus is a really big deal. The gospel of Jesus and what he did you know, is contained in the New Testament. But there is something that is very important, I think, to making sure that the entire Bible matters to whoever we're talking to is that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises from the very beginning. Because he said he was going to come and mm-hmm. be our Savior. He was our only Savior. Genesis three fifteen is talking to this snake who is the instigator of all the stuff, but even though the people are responsible for what they did. And he said, I'm going to put enmity between the woman and her seed and your seed, and then he will strike your head and you will strike his heel, which is a theme that is constantly woven in and out of all the stories. We see covenants God made with people, like what Hebrews says, is we spoke to the fathers through the generations, where this, this promise, there's, there, it is clear that there is one, and that it's going to be a son, 
there's gonna there's one son that will come into the history of humanity who will be able to kill the serpent and thereby undo the things that you just did okay I know that that is not explicit in there but that is what that story is trying to tell us the promise is God saying I know I'm about to kick you out of this garden but someone will be born into the family of humanity who will be able to fix this and I gotta put you out there but I'm not leaving you alone and all the way through the stories of the Old Testament is the hope of that one this is actually what binds that community of God's people is the hope that God will ultimately fulfill his promises that God is the God that we should be worshiping the, the one who is overall the God of all gods right and we're going to listen to him because we didn't listen to him and look what happened. And so this is what is the community and this is the, the forward-looking faith of the people of the Old Testament is that whoever that guy is going to be, I believe that God's going to use him to re, to fix what we broke. Okay, In the Old Testament in Hebrew, we would know that as Messiah. Okay, It's the promised anointed one because he's supposed to also be a king. So it's the promised anointed king that they are looking for. And as it, as the story of the people move forward out of slavery into the land, they're actually looking for it. We're like, okay, now we got a kingly line, so hopefully someone soon gets born so he can be the promised anointed king to set us free and put us back to where we're supposed to be, right? He's supposed to bring this all in, which is you know, arguably why Solomon's temple has all this imagery from the Garden of Eden because the hope is so strong at that point. Having had David, who's a man after God's own heart, even though he's messing things up, and you have Solomon, the wisest man to have lived, and all the nations are coming to bring their things, like the hope of the people is so strong. <laughs> so, as we move forward through the story, that's who we're looking for, right? In the New Testament, it gets lost on a lot of us. Because no longer is the word Messiah used. Christos is used, which then we decided to just transliterate instead of translate. If you you can go back, anything that I taught in Sunday school at least has two minutes on this. Drives me nuts because Christos is the Greek word for Messiah. Okay, We see Jesus Christ in the New Testament over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And we're just like, oh, Jesus has a hyphenated name, you know? They just didn't have hyphens. And you're like, no. Every time that you're using Christ, they're making the point. He is the guy that was promised. He is the promised anointed king. And when you look at that and then you, you understand that the gospel being preached to people is Jesus was the, was the Messiah, guys, and we killed him. And then he came back to life. And – you know, all the stuff that we know about the Messiah is going to be fulfilled in him, and obviously he doesn't have this whole kingdom thing that, you know, we were all expecting, but, like, we killed him. I think it's a very important thing for us to understand that Jesus fulfills that Messiah role, and I know that's kind of a Christianese word, actually it's more of a Jewish word than anything, uh, that is one that gets lost on us, because we're just like, oh, Jesus died for my sins, and now I'm saved. And that's great. I'm not saying we should ever stop being impressed by that. But Jesus 
is more than just some random guy spoofed into human history. It was predicted thousands of years before he came on the scene, thousands of years ago, that God was going to do this. And, and just like in Isaiah, where Isaiah says, okay, here's a near, near-term near prophecy, so like when you see this happen, you can trust that God's going to do this, is that Jesus is th- that as well. God has promised that he's going to send us back into fellowship and live in, in fellowship with him for forever like we were intended to. And the way that you know that that's going to happen in the end is because Jesus came just like God predicted. God said, hey, I'm going to send a guy. He's going to crush the head of the serpent. And how is he going to do that? He's going to be perfect, and he's going to die. And then he's going to come back to life, defeating death, which is the punishment of sin. Right? So we have to keep that in picture, not being Jewish, that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the promises that God ever made about setting us free. I mean, it shouldn't get lost on us, so... If you need to, go through your entire Bible, circle every Christ that you find, and put promised anointed king, the Messiah, because it is, it is a big deal. Because, uh, And this is what the gospel, most of the Gospels start this way. This is the genealogy of Jesus the, Jesus the Christ, actually. I think one of them it starts in our English translation. This is like, literally, literally, like this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. But we, we lose it because it's like, oh, Christ. Because it's a transliterated word from a... Language we don't speak. That's a word from that language to represent another word from a different language. So, that being said, we should get to Romans 5. Now, if you want to... I was just going to say that I'm going to change my answer. My, oh. I'm going to change my answer to promised anointed um, king because I feel like those are really easy words to understand. And they lead into more questions, which would allow me to explain deeper individually. How was he promised? What makes him anointed? What do you mean by king? King what? So, changing my answer. All right, sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) All right, in Romans 5, we're going to jump down. uh, Can I say what? Yeah, go for it, because I'm still looking for a verse. You know, I really appreciate all this, and, and it's true. But let's not lose that we need to remember the simplicity of the gospel. Mm-hmm. I think we can get we can go too far into the weeds if we're not careful. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not saying that you're doing that. I no. don't think that. No. But it's just kind of a warning that we could go follow like what you're saying, and we could like go way deep <laughs> into into something that we don't need to to go into. So. Yeah, and that's but that's, but that's sure. not what I think you're doing. No, it's just well, you know. it's not like every time you share the gospel, you would need to do that either. Right, but we right. do need to have that in our conception. Absolutely, yeah. So that you know, if if someone's like, "What? Do you, like, and so why does that matter? Like, why is this random? Like, what's the deal with the New Testament? It seems like yeah. a whole different book. Yeah. Like, yeah. this Jesus guy just shows up. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah. Who no, was no, no, he no. that he like, could save us? Yeah, the whole, you know? whole Old Testament was yeah. predicting that he would show up. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, definitely. Had gotcha. That about the new yeah. Before I started actually reading the Bible, I was like, so what? You just get to just jump in and like all of a sudden this guy just shows up and everything's good like that was nice also i had the mindset that jesus like trumped god's law mm-hmm. right so that wasn't the case either but at the same time and i appreciate that comment about uh, simplicity because it when you're talking about uh, to begin with while well, you're still searching for the verse um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> in fact my mind what jesus did himself as he was talking to the people is 
um, simplified. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. you know, went, went back to the verse in John. Um, if I was talking to somebody that didn't know and understand, you know, he, Jesus was you know, the most unique individual in history because uh-huh. he was hundred uh, percent man and hundred percent God. Um, but he spoke to people two thousand years ago. The same issues we're having today. Uh-huh. He right. said, "I am the way," because people didn't understand what they should do or where they should go. And are you challenged? Are we all challenged with which direction we should go? He said, "I'm the truth," and we're all challenged with, you know, are you guys having a hard time figuring out what is the truth nowadays? <laughs> it's true. Um, Jesus <laughs> said, "I am the truth," mm-hmm. to help us. And he says, "I am the life." And then, and then you can get into all the other things. But I like yeah. what you said about yeah. keeping it simple yeah. and relating people today where they're at. Uh-huh. Um, and then all the other things can come from some questions. Right. But the, the, the idea, <clears throat> over the years, I've gotten more from engaging in a conversation rather than just spewing out mm-hmm. like three magic sentences or five <laughs> magic sentences. <laughs> as I, I want them to, um, to engage in a conversation so we can mm-hmm. talk. Yep. So, sorry. No problem. I found the verse. All right. We're going to start in six, and then we're going to go through uh, quite a bit. But uh, for while we were still helpless at the appointed moment, Christ, the Messiah, you know, that guy, he died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. So he's like, I know I just said, like, no one's going to die for a good person, but maybe somebody would. But it's not often. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, the Messiah died for us. Much more than since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath, punishment on sin. For if while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God, which that's a word we'll get to in two weeks, uh, to God through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. We have now received this reconciliation through him. Okay. Now, the next couple of verses is something that we talked about when we talk about sin and death. So, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, in this way death spread to all men, all of us, because all sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law, so it's not the law's fault that sin showed up, uh, that we were still not hitting the mark when the law wasn't around yet. But sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. So it's saying, like, it's it's not the same. Like, what we talk about, there's sin and trespass. It's not in, in transgression. They're, they're, it's not exactly the same, but it's still not hitting the mark. But even just not hitting the mark brings death. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, which is how we know that death was passed to all men and reigned uh, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. Adam did have a, one law. Don't eat from there. He sinned, knowing full well he wasn't supposed to. Now, after that, some people go around sinning and they don't know because there was no direct, like, you don't do this uh, type of a law. Then he is, uh, mine says, a prototype, uh, might say figure, pattern, or type of the coming one, the Messiah, the one that was promised. He's a type of one, but he he was a bad one. (laughs) It was a a bad prototype, which which is why I love the, it was a prototype. It was like, first rendition of it, and it was we're, we're, yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get this right the next time. We wouldn't have been any better. Yeah, right. <laughs> Version two point so, <laughs> so, so the coming one, the Messiah, is Adam two point Okay, right. But the gift is not like the trespass. 
in this. For if by the one man's trespass the many died, how much more having the grace of God and the gift overflowed to the many by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The gift is not like the one man's sin because from one sin came the judgment resulting in condemnation that was passed to all men. Uh, but from many trespasses came the gift resulting in justification. That doesn't mean that, oh, hey, look at us. We sinned enough that we brought about salvation. That's not what I'm saying. We can talk about that at a different time. But since by the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, because even from Adam to Moses before the law, sin was reigning. So by that one guy's action of disobedience, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus the Messiah? So then, as through one trespass there is condemnation for everyone, so also through one righteous act. So that, that's the comparison. Is Adam did one thing, and it impacted everybody. And so, through one man doing the opposite of what Adam did, so could we go back. Okay? There is life-giving justification available for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, also through the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. The law came up along to multiply the trespass to say, like, hey, just so you're aware of all the things that you're doing wrong, because you were already doing them wrong, but just so you're aware that you're doing them wrong, and then now that you're aware that that's a wrong thing and you still do it, it makes sin even worse. Not in any way that it's going to kill you more. You're already going to be dead. But in, in the fact that you're like, oh, I realize that this is bad. I knew I shouldn't do this, and I still did. The law came along to multiply the trespasses. But where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more, so that just as sin reigned in death, also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, our Lord, our King. So this is this is the comparison and the contrast Paul is making is that the Messiah came so that he could be the second Adam, the second attempt. Because Adam was born into the garden in fellowship with God. Jesus was born in fellowship with God. Neither one of them were started off with a sin nature, with a propensity where, like, I'm going to just choose a sin. That's just who I am. Neither one started their existence. And I know that that's almost heresy for Jesus, but we can apply that even before he became a person. But neither human began their time on earth with the expectation that they would die. They were born in this eternal life situation in fellowship with God. And through this guy's disobedience, he broke it all. <laughs> but through this guy's one life of obedience, and still his life of obedience resulting in death, which we should all say, that is wildly unfair and unjust, right? Jesus did nothing wrong and we still kill him? Like, that's how messed up our world has been. You know, Got a guy that did nothing wrong. We'll kill him because we can't have him li keep living forever because it'll just make the rest of us look bad and feel bad about ourselves. So Jesus, through his one act of obedience, and that obedience that Philippians talks about is even death on a cross. Through his life of perfection that should have remained, but sacrificing it on our behalf in death can then go send all of the problems that Adam sent into existence backwards and out of existence. So the gift of God is better than what sin pays us out, which is what Romans 6 says, is that sin pays us death, 
but God wants to give us a gift of eternal life. I mean, it sounds a whole lot better when we talked about that last week. We are now done. Out of time. So thank you. <laughs> we'll see you next next week.